can somebody attack me, please? The fruit salad of their life. Excuse me. Is what I would look for. All righty then. You can say that I'm again. I'm fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Oh, yeah. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. We're here. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Yeah, you found us. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI on 88.5 FM KAKU in the beautiful island of Maui, Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and coast-to-coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, RadioOrNot.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, and Radio Sputnik five days a week. Of course, as the name implies, the broadcast is usually hosted by Brad Friedman of Bradblog.com, but today you got me, Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com filling in for Brad and Desi, birthday girl Desi Doyen, uh, with a very special guest in tow on today's broadcast. After a broadcasting career spanning decades, Randy Rhodes left the air almost two years ago, having basically had enough with the corporate control of our media. Well, she's now ready to join the podcast and online media of the world of the future with a Kickstarter campaign in full swing to get her going. Randy is poised to return to the airwaves in, no, oh, maybe as soon as June to help us through the 2016 elections and beyond. Randy Rhodes joins me today to recap Thursday's Republican debate, the Democratic race between Bernie and Hillary, radio, and a whole lot more. So let's start at the beginning with Randy's decision to walk away in May of 2014 and her plans to return. You have been off the air now for it's been two to almost two years. And so we have not heard your thoughts on the 2016 presidential race. So uh, now we do follow you on Twitter at Randy Radio. And of course, you're uh, on Facebook. And so just to get things out of the way up front, you do feel the burn. I feel the burn. (laughs) could be an infection. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hope not. This weekend we have the, of course, the South Carolina primary, which is not looking really good for Bernie. But then we have Super Tuesday on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And there are a lot of states he can win. But um, Super Tuesday is half the delegates. That's what people need to know. And a whole bit about delegates. um, I think you and I are educating people about it. I know if you go to... um, my Facebook page, you'll see a whole bunch of uh, wonky stuff about the delegates and how they're awarded. And, you know, it's proportional. It's a lot like the Electoral College, which we spend, you know, an inordinate amount of time explaining to people around election, general election time. Um, it's the same sort of principle where there are delegates that are awarded proportionally as well. So to understand that is to understand how we pick our nominee. And it's really important. Well, it, it is. But this is something I've been railing on for the last 
week or so on my show. It's the undemocratic ways of the Democratic Party. Go figure. Yeah. For, from the superdelegates, that's the biggest yeah. thing. The superdelegates, right. the biggest scam ever. It's like the party elders saying, oh, you nice little mere citizen voters, go and do your thing. But, you know, if you do it wrong, we'll come in and fix it for you. Yeah, and that's why I love when the Democratic Party says things like, oh, but we trust our voters, and if you don't vote for me, I'm still for you. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't trust your voters. That's why you have superdelegates who are the party elite. They are governors, congress members, um, givers, donors, party elites, uh, uh, you know, local um, uh, heads of the party, national heads of the party, and yes, they, will, they can and have uh, overridden the people. What's really crazy is that um, they include the superdelegates in the delegate count on mainstream media. Yeah. Now, if the people should vote one, you know, uh, uh, for Hillary or the people should vote for Bernie, whatever, however it works out, because, you know, we're a democracy, so we get two choices where <laughs> a communist country only gets one choice, right? right? So we have two. Yay. But um, honestly, if I, I believe that if in the end uh, Bernie gets the majority of the uh, voters, the actual Democratic voters, then the superdelegates will have no choice but to back uh, Bernie at the convention, vice versa with Hillary, if that's the way it plays out. It's just so fascinating, though, that that is a fight that we might have to have at the convention, and it's frightening. Right, and why even be put in the position where uh, the superdelegates who maybe have previously pledged their support to, say, Hillary Clinton, now all of a sudden have to either change or or go against the, the will of the people? Either way... It's it's undemocratic. I just I find I the whole thing mind boggling. But the, on the other hand, you know, the Republicans don't have any such animal. However, if Donald Trump goes into this convention with enough delegates to be the nominee, I have a feeling they will all of a sudden invent their own superdelegate before the 2020 election cycle. You know, I, each convention, when it convenes, makes its own rules. Mm-hmm. So every time a convention convenes, there are convention rules that are adopted by the convention itself. And so the answer to that is unknown. No one knows what the Republican rules will be at the Republican convention because they've yet to be um, uh, laid out or voted on or anything. So nobody knows what those rules were but or are going to be. But check this out. I mean, can you imagine the Donald Trump supporters being told at their convention that if Donald Trump does win the popular vote, that the delegates are going to vote for somebody else. I mean, that that would make what happened to Dan Rather at the 68 convention look stupid. And, you know, he was just pushed around a little. I mean, I would hate to see, you know, like that would be the greatest fight since, oh God, I don't know, um, you know, Ali, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine what the what the Trump supporters would do. I just I can't. Oh, I can't either. Um, it, yeah. By the same token, if if by some miracle and look, I I'm a Bernie supporter, but I understand it is still a long shot. If by some mm-hmm. mi- miracle he gets to the convention with enough delegates and they try some shenanigans to take it away from him, um, yeah. you know, I, I I really fear what happens next. But let's not yeah. put the cart before the horse. It, 
Well, to put it mildly, it would be very messy. Very, <laughs> very messy. That, so, that, that it would. You know, that little stand-up comedy bit I did out in San Francisco. Remember that? I do. That was all about superdelegates and, and pledge delegates. That's what that was about. And picking them off at the end when it was very clear that Obama was going to be the nominee by virtue of a delegate count. So... You know, it's not something that our party doesn't consider. It's been considered in previous cycles, and it, I'm sure it's going to be considered in this cycle. And the Republicans, you know, the, uh, the establishment Republicans will do just about anything to keep Trump from getting the nomination on their side. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what we'll do just about anything to keep him from being our nominee means. Right. I don't so know it, either. It, it's, you know, it's not over till it's over is basically what what I'm saying. Well, uh, well I hear you. Now, uh, Randy Rhodes is with us on the broadcast, and you, you alluded to what happened, that thing in San Francisco. For those who don't know, uh, yeah. to, to uh, well, you want you want to explain during your Air America no, days? I, I'm, I'm so tired of the oh, story, bad. but suffice it to say, I did, um, I made a, I, I, I committed the ultimate New York liberal sin when I obviously became for Obama during the primary between Obama and Hillary. That is a sin. You cannot do that. Mm -hmm. I am living proof that you cannot do that. Of course, I only did it in a stand-up comedy routine at a gay nightclub in San Francisco <laughs> on a Saturday night. However, people have grainy cell phone videos, yes, and they post it. And then, you know, two weeks later, uh, Geraldine Ferraro, you know, it can't happen anymore. May she rest in peace. But Geraldine Ferraro can appear on Fox News calling for your head on a platter. And the New York liberals will say, mm, yeah, we should fire her. So let's just say it's a little dangerous in this country to choose somebody in the primary that isn't Hillary Clinton when she is running. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. So there's obviously not much love lost between you and, and Hillary Clinton. I get that. However, if Hillary Clinton does pull out the nomination, you will be a Hillary Clinton supporter, won't you? Either that or I'm going to have to play Wagner music and, and you know, <laughs> start screaming deportate, mass deportation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of course. I mean, it's, listen, here's what I, what I believe if Hillary was elected. Uh, if Hillary is the, pre the next president of the United States, she will be as good as Bill. Now think about what that means. Yeah, I do. In its entirety. Yes. Uh, but Bernie would be FDR. And that's how I feel. I agree. So and, would I vote for Hillary over Donald Trump or Marco Rubio or, God forbid, you know, Joe McCarthy, Ted yeah. Cruz? I mean, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Well, it is. But what Given you're the... asking me to do is to, is to vote for somebody who had me fired. Yeah. And that's a difficult thing to do in a voting booth. But for my country, you know, I would probably do it. In my chat room, I've got the most passionate, progressive people who who adore Bernie Sanders, who like are saying what I say. Finally, there's a candidate saying what I've been thinking for so long, who is willing to stand up and, you know, go head to head with the with the big money interests. Yeah, it, and you know, he's been saying the same thing his entire career. Exactly. He doesn't even need notes because he doesn't need to remember what he said to which group <laughs> and when. That's right. And I love that about him. I mean, he he was on our show talking about everything from Citizens United to the McCutcheon um, decision, which also opened the floodgates for, you know, money. And uh, the whole, I mean, he was the first guy ever to come on our show and call 
uh, our government an oligarchy. And I mm-hmm. had been saying those words for a really long time, but no elected official would say it. Um, you know, other people who weren't elected officials did, mm-hmm. like Robert Reich and, you know, other economists. But, you know, Bernie was the first one out of the gate to call it what it is and say, we have an oligarchy. This is not, um, uh, it's a rigged economy, and it's rigged in favor of those who can afford to buy uh, lobbyists and candidates and, uh, you know, people sitting in office and that their interests come first because, you know, they, they've bought and paid for most of our um, Congress and our presidents. So, you know, I would like to move at a faster pace on things like, you know, and you know, it's so interesting when you hear one candidate, you know, argue against the other and they say, oh, well, Bernie's a one issue candidate. Um, I seem to remember, first of all, he's not. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you lump education, the economy, healthcare, uh, the military, national security, all into one issue. Mm -hmm. Okay. In some weird twisted way, but I do remember a, a president I voted for twice saying, it's the economy, stupid, over and over again. So it's confusing. Confusing? Well, that's an understatement. Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com in for Brad and Desi on this edition of the broadcast. We'll return with our special guest on today's program, Randy Rhodes, next. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so, now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time-only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. By taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com donate today. And thanks. If you're driving into town with the dark cloud above you, dialing the number who's bound to love you. And if it says, forget it, but your heart's still smoking, call me at the station. The lights are open. Well, they will be again soon. Yes, welcome back to the broadcast. Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com in for Brad and Desi today. Uh, Along with a very special guest, radio's Randy Rhodes. And she's coming back. Right now, this is primary season. And what primaries mean is you get to choose your nominee, the person you would like to represent the Democratic Party in the general election. And we're doing exactly what we should be doing. And we're getting criticized for participating in a meaningful way. in our own primary, and that is really, uh, that's bizarre, and it's wrong. 
this is primary season last I checked. And until we have a nominee, until our convention is over and we have a nominee, we are supposed to, not just allowed, but we're supposed to be comparing the candidates, looking at their records. What did she do as a senator? What did he do as a senator? What did he do as a House member? How did she spend 1986 to 1992? Well, she was a corporate attorney at the Rose Law Firm. And she was on the board of directors of Walmart. I'm sorry, it's a fact. You know, and this whole thing with the Children's Defense Fund, that was when she got out of college. We have a right to look at their entire lives records, what they've said, uh, who, how they voted, because she does have a voting record, whether she was right on her foreign policy to um, invade Iraq and overthrow Saddam, was she right on her foreign policy to overthrow Muammar Gaddafi, where ISIS now lives in Libya. Mm-hmm. Is she right? Is her judgment solid? Is his judgment solid? Was he right to vote against the Iraq? War? Is he right to be against the trade agreements? Is he, you know, we're allowed and we're supposed to. And, and, you know, being criticized for doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a citizen is crazy. <laughs> yes, it is. And that is the Randy Rhodes, frankly, that we have been missing from our airwaves for almost two years now. So, Randy Rhodes, um, uh, you've launched a Kickstarter campaign. To get, oh, thank you. <laughs> get get back on the air, uh, and and yeah. and join the world. Oh well, of uh, Brad Friedman and uh, at the Bradcast and what I've been doing at RadioOrNot.com and, and a bunch of others yeah. of us because it's a whole new paradigm out there where we actually don't need those transmitters to get out and and do radio anymore. So yeah, and who really wants to, um, you know, be with corporate America um, in that way? Meaning that they can pull the plug on your show any day of the week they desire and flip it to sports, or uh, that because I worked for the same company as Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck and and uh, um, Sean Hannity, that if Rush Limbaugh said something so disgusting that you know. Uh, the advertisers react and pull 65 of their ads, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when Rush, this is what people don't understand, and I hate, I'm so tired of explaining how corporate media does and doesn't work for us. But the truth of this is when Rush Limbaugh insulted Sandra Fluke and said, um, you know, she wants free birth control, I want videos of her having sex, you know what I mean, and called yep. her a prostitute, then the advertisers, 65 advertisers pulled out of his show. Well, guess what? They pulled out of mine, too, because we all work for the same company, and they buy ads across the company's platforms. So when he said that, I got punished. See, and, you know, I'm, I'm tired of having my fate intertwined and mingled with people who are so completely controversial that they spark these revolts, because I end up losing as much as they do for not, and I haven't said what they've said. Right. And, and you know what? And, and it's not only in the same company, though. What the, the whole thing about Rush Limbaugh with his, the, the, the crap that spews forth from his being is it hurt when they said we, we don't want our advertising on Rush Limbaugh. And, and yes, they got pulled from all of that company's uh, talk stations. It also yeah. hurt talk radio as a whole because they didn't differentiate yeah, anything, anything that was uh, the least bit controversial, controversial. Yeah. became something no one wanted to buy. Right. 
the least bit. And that's why the station started flipping as sports, yeah. because there's nothing controversial about sports. Oh, oh, well, there is every now and then, but, <laughs> yeah, but in, as a general rule, politics is much more of a lightning rod for controversy. And that was what led to the decision to start flipping stations from talk to sports. Now, some of those people that we just talked about have guaranteed distribution deals, so you couldn't flip their stations, but you could flip mine. Yep, and mine. Well, you know, that's And yours, right. and Stephanie's, that's and right. Tom's, that's and, right. you know, all of us. So, I mean, look at what just happened um, I, I guess today or yesterday, uh, to Melissa Harris Perry. Now that's interesting. She spent years building trust with her audience mm-hmm. for her weekend show on MSNBC, and now all of a sudden they don't want controversy. They want to be uh, more, you know, of a, a, a news delivery platform rather than an opinion platform or a po- political platform right. uh, for, for, for a certain kind of politics like Fox does, right. you know, for their kind of politics. And so they've just told her she's losing editorial control of her show, and all she's to do now is read, you know, rip and read news. And she said no, and she walked away. And you got to look. I mean, I know what it takes to do that. Yeah. It's very difficult to walk away from a show that you care so much about, that you built bit by bit, that you built trust with your audience, that you you know, showed your audience, you would use journalistic standards, you would only say things that um, were certifiably facts, that you would do the fact check, that you would rely on other fact checkers, you know, that your polls would be, you know, real polls. And then all of a sudden they say, well, even though you're right, and even though you're fact checked, and even though you are a journalist and you use journalistic standards or whatever, we just want no controversy. So you can read news. That's what you can do. Yeah. And I'm sure they said that because she's got some sort of a contract where if they let her go, they have to pay her. And so they made her this offer to read the news to protect themselves. And she walked away, meaning she'll get nothing from her contract. Right. That is a hard, principled decision to make. It's the most difficult thing that anybody who broadcasts, that's the decision that everyone dreads. It's a, it's a Hobson's choice. Either I walk away from a, you know, a contract that I signed, that they signed, and I get nothing, or I do what they ask me, to, or I do what they say I have to do, and continue to feed my family. Right. It's it, very difficult. But, you know, she made that decision, and I made mine. And we walked away, both of us, because right. we're principled. Uh, it, it, yeah, it'll be interesting. What watching the metamorphosis of MSNBC to what I call now just MSBS is is was stunning. They it, they're unwatchable. And you know, uh, last night we were we we're going to talk about uh, the Republican debate, but I hope we also Randy Rhodes spent a couple of minutes and talk about what Chris Matthews did to Bernie Sanders. Did you watch that? You know, um, I have it recorded. I haven't watched it. I don't know what he did, but I heard it wasn't pretty. He treated him with such disrespect. I mean, you know how Chris Matthews is anyway. Uh, he'll ask a question. The guest starts, gets one or one and a half words into the answer, and then Chris jumps in again and uh, bloviates about what the answer should be and, and, you know, that this is what he does for a living. And, uh, you know, he cuts you off. And he did this with Bernie, but he was berating him. In fact, you know what? Let's just let's just go. I'll... Um, uh, 
here's a little bit of of uh, oh good good yeah uh, yes. I want to hear it okay here's a little bit of Chris Matthews um, demanding from Bernie Sanders to know how this is going to work. No, you're giving a normative argument. I agree with it. The question is, how do you get it done when all this power is arrayed against you? Then let me. The Finance Committee sitting around, how do we have to raise taxes on Wall Street? So we do this 50 cent tax on $100. We have to get that tax passed. And then somewhere else, you have to dedicate it to paying for tuition bills. These are are hard things to get done. What you are saying, let's be clear, okay? Let me be very clear. I believe that in the year 2016, a college degree today is about the equivalent of a high school degree 50, 60 years ago. I agree with it. You Normatively, agree. you're winning okay. the argument. All right. So I believe that when we talk about public education, it shouldn't be first grade through 12th. It should be through college. Okay. I believe that public colleges and universities, not the University of Chicago, sorry guys, <laughs> but public colleges and universities should be tuition free so that Every kid in this country, look, I grew up in a family did not have a lot of money. My parents never went to college. I want every kid in this country who has the ability to do so to go to college. Now, I also want to deal with an issue you guys are worried about is student debt. Is that true? All right. We got millions of people really being crushed with student debt. My idea is to merge the two. Okay. Now you're asking me how do I pay for it? I'll tell you how I, I haven't pay asked for it. I've asked you how to pass it through the Senate. Wait a second. How do you get sixty votes for any of this? Pay for it through a tax on Wall Street Who's speculation. Who's going to pass that tax? The American look, The Senate's going to pass that? Chris, you and I look at the world differently. You look at it inside the Beltway. I'm not an inside the <laughs> I, Beltway uh, no, guy. But the, I am an outside the Beltway But the, the people Beltway that guy. vote on taxes are inside the Beltway. And those people are going to vote the right way when millions of people demand that they vote the right way. On this issue, I have no doubt that as President of the United States, I can rally young people and their parents to say that if Germany does it, Scandinavia does it, countries around the world do it, we can do it. And yes, we bailed can out you Wall bring, Street. Own, it is Wall okay. Street's time to help the, the middle next class. Senate. Okay, so... All right, I get, yeah. So, listen, I'm guilty of that too. What, what Chris does is the full Ralph Nader. That's what I call it. Because I, I did exactly that to Ralph Nader, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, my hands are not clean on my interviewing style either. So I understand what Chris is driving at. I, I didn't see the whole thing. I don't know how you know it progressed. But what Bernie is saying is that he, when he talks about this revolution, he's saying what he's got going for him is new voters. What he's got going for him is young voters. What he wants to do, and it's doable. This is what gets lost. There are 24 senators, Republican seats that are open in the Senate and that will be on the ballot when people show up to vote. Most of those guys are Tea Party guys. They're one-termers who got, you know, uh, moved in during that whole Tea Party explosion, the cruises, the Rubio, Ron Johnson. those guys. Ron Johnson. And they are very vulnerable. Yep. And what Bernie sees and what I see and what he's talking about there is that if he can get this revolution of young people getting uh, engaged and showing up and voting. Because, you know, we know the 65 and olders, they always vote. They've been the League of Women Voters. They're the ones that sit at the polls and man the polls and do the really heavy lifting during an election. Young people tend not to show up so much. Bernie is saying, I have an appeal to young people because these are their issues. They are mired in debt. They're graduating with a hundred grand in debt, which is like a house that you don't even have. And they're 
listening to what I'm saying. If we can change the makeup of the Senate, the House is gerrymandered. I don't know what our chances are there. But if we can change the makeup in the Senate, we're only, what, five seats away from a majority in the Senate. The Democrats are five seats away. So, and there's 24, you know, vulnerable uh, Republicans this cycle. He believes if he's on the ballot as the presidential candidate and Democrats show up, they will also vote for the Senate. And he's right about that because for this cycle, it's a threefer. We have to vote Supreme Court nominees because Scalia passed away. We have to vote uh, for the Senate, and they will confirm the nominee, or three. And we have to vote for president. Young people will connect that in a way that we've not been able to connect it for them before. So that's what Bernie is saying, and he needs to get more specific for, you know, with an answer yes. to that question. How do you move legislation? The other thing that's really important to know about him is that in his, you know, getting a bill passed in the Senate is very difficult, as we all know. Mm-hmm. But in Bernie's time in the Senate, he was able to pass a bill, a veterans benefits bill, adding $17 billion to the VA in a bipartisan fashion, and he's the king of amendments. So what Bernie will do when a Republican bill comes his way is he will get an amendment into that bill that favors our issue, our part of it, our side of it. And he will hold his vote until he gets his amendment. And he's very good at getting agreement like that, and he can move legislation. Hillary, on the other hand, only has three pieces of legislation that she ever got passed when she was a senator, and two of those were naming post Post offices. offices. None of them were substantive. None of them. And so people need to start looking at who has the ability to move legislation. That's why people don't want to vote for Ted Cruz on the other side, because they know Ted is just an obstructionist. He's never passed anything. He's just shut down the Senate. That's why Rubio is more appealing to them. Oh, and yet, yet, uh, fellow Floridian, <laughs> friend of mine, Randy Rhodes, um, Marco Rubio, you, you, you haven't, I mean, you've been off the air for a couple of years. Uh, you want to tell the people listening in uh, across the country and the rest of the world uh, a little bit about Marco Rubio? Well, here, they don't like Marco Rubio in Florida because we pay attention to his Senate record because we are from Florida. And Marco doesn't show up. He's got this gig, and he doesn't show up. And Florida does not like that. They don't like hiring people that are, you know, uh, that, that, that skip school. They don't like it. And so Rubio will probably lose Florida to Donald Trump. Which is insane. Uh, Randy- well, and Donald Trump lives in Florida as yes, well, he and he's a known quantity here, too. And people, you know, uh, would rather see Donald Trump than Marco Rubio, because both of those men in Florida are known quantities. So, yes, Rubio is not beloved in his home state. It, it's very interesting. Okay? And, frankly, um, in Texas, some of the polls have uh, Cruz tied with Trump. It's interesting to look at somebody's home state. I remember when Al Gore lost Tennessee, and they all, everybody on the Republican side said, well, he can't win his home state. He doesn't deserve to be president. Of course, the Supreme Court you know, uh, made the ultimate decision, not the voters. But that's, a, that's an argument that was used against Al Gore in 2000. 
Yeah. Well, look, the, the, yeah. these Republicans, they're the ones who also um, yeah, they're the, the party of do as I say, not as I do. You know, whether it's a, yeah, a, a nominating a Supreme Court justice in the final year of a term or you name it, they do it. But if the Democrats try to do it, they can't. Anyway, Randy Rhodes is with us. Well, you it, know, that you know why. I mean, this is how I put it. I shorthand things to my Republican neighbors when they say, well, I think he ought to leave it to the next president. I say, oh, so I get it. Barack Obama is three-fifths of a president. He doesn't get to do the last two-fifths of his term. He doesn't get to be president the last two-fifths of his term because he's three-fifths of a president. I get it. And that shuts them up, believe it or not. Oh, oh yes. And, and I've heard that one before. If the shoe fits as they say. Uh, Randy Rhodes is with us. It is the Bradcast. We'll take a very quick break and come back and delve into the, uh, uh, what could be the, well, it is the last Republican debate before Super Tuesday. Uh, Stick around. (laughs) I'm Nicole Sandler in for Brad and Desi on the Bradcast. back. Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com holding down the fort for Brad Friedman and Desi Doyen on this edition of the Bradcast. And our special guest today is the... Happy birthday, Desi. Happy birthday, Desi. Is the amazing Randy Rhodes. Randy has been a fixture in political talk radio since the America Days, but you didn't always just focus on politics. And so, Randy, you're going to launch a new show. You have a Kickstarter that met its goal, still up, because you still got two weeks to go on the Kickstarter. So if anyone wants to... Yeah, and we need some stretch money so we yeah. can bring back some of the great things that you know people love, like the bits and Duffy and... Um Video, things like that, that, you know, that's above and beyond uh, what the bare minimum was. So go to kickstarter.com and you can put in Randy Rhodes in the top search bar or just go to randyrhodes.com. There's videos there that are hysterical that you can watch. And if you decide that this is something you're into, uh, the instructions are there for you to follow. They're very clickable and goable. And um, we created a new category this morning. Somebody had a fabulous idea. Called, I named it The Liberal, where uh, you get your podcast, but you also provide a year's worth of uh, subscription to somebody who can't quite afford it this year. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, it's I really like nice. Um, yeah, it wasn't my idea. It was one of our um, great Facebook friends' ideas, and uh, I credited her. Her name's Rosemary. So we should have called it The Rosemary, but <laughs> we called it The Liberal. Well, they, they would both work. You're planning on starting, hitting the ground, running maybe with, you know, your first live show as soon as June. Yeah, and you know, this is the beauty of it. We will have a nominee by June, okay? So, like I always say, you know, you, or, you do get to fall in love in the primary, right? and then you have to fall in line in the general. And sometimes that's very difficult, and it will be uh, difficult for depending on who you're supporting right now, uh, for you, if your person isn't our nominee. So, yeah, you know, by the time I, I get up and running, we will have a nominee. So I don't want people to think that I won't be on your side, whatever that means to you right, you know, but, today. But, but, because but, I will. But, Randy, it, the convention isn't until the end of July. Bernie it Yeah, but hasn't, it, it will be done. You think so? Because he's will be pledging done. to I mean, keep we going. Will know. We yeah, probably it, we will. will know. By June, we'll know. I mean, it, there's just no question. The math is going to be a math. You know, the, it's interesting, but um, sometimes they call the first part of the primary the momentum stage, and then they call the, this part of the primary, like the Super Tuesday part and beyond, they call that the math part. 
well, of the primary. Right. And, and once the math is done, it's done. Right. So, All right. Yeah. Well, well, we'll know a lot by Tuesday night. So much is riding yeah. on Tuesday. All right. Um, yeah. The fun part, though, if, if uh, you have a perverse sense of humor, I suppose, is the Republican race. Oh, my God. Just when you oh thought politics couldn't get any crazier. Oh, well, you know what this is. This has been, the, the, whole, the whole thing has devolved into a big Yamama joke. <laughs> That's all it is. They insult their mothers. They insult their sisters. They insult their family members. They insult, it's unbelievable how base and low this thing has gotten. It is just one giant Yamama joke. I, I, I just, I, I mean, it, it's, it's like Donald Trump is, oh, he puts his makeup on with a trowel, and Rubio is, first of all, Rubio pulled a Dan Quayle, because choker is spelled the way Donald spelled it in his tweet, but honor is not spelled the way it was in Donald's treat, tweet. Uh, he spelled honor. Donald Trump tweeted out, what an honor, and uh, spelled it wrong. <gasps> oh my I God. mean, the whole thing is just so oh stupid. Here's the Republican debate. They start out with Carson's opening statement. His was, we are in the abyss of destruction. Okay. So he's an end timer. Kasich was like, I know what love is, Jenny. <laughs> Rubio was Reagan. Yeah. Cruz was welcome to cruise country where 50 cents an hour washing dishes will pay for an entire college education at Texas Baptist, because that's how my father did it. Mm -hmm. And Trump says, make America great. And then they downshift into mass deportation. Uh, I hate Romney. I hire people. You've hired no one. The, you know, Vincente Fox told me he's not building the effing wall. Well, the wall just got 10 feet higher. Mm -hmm. uh, Rubio says, oh, you know, you go to Trump University, you get a, a cardboard cutout photo. I mean, it's oh, your mom so stupid. <laughs> you tell her it's chilly outside, she gets a spoon. And Trump is like, your mama's so fat, her ass has its own congressman. That was the debate. And then Carson's standing in the corner going, please attack me yes. so I can say something. Yeah, it was yeah, so well, pathetic. Yes, you mean this? Can somebody attack me, please? And, most... you know, I, I've been rooting for Kasich because, you know, he's like the old school moderate Republican that you could do business with. And it would be nice to see a resurgence of that kind of Republican, you know, being moved into, uh, you know, Congress or the Senate or even a vice president. Somebody reasonable somewhere, uh, you know, near the levers of power would be nice. Right. And Kasich had me. I mean, it's all this time as far as, you know, if I had to pick one of those guys. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's like, listen, you know, with the religious liberty question, all of a sudden Donald two Corinthians walk into a bar is the <laughs> ultimate evangelical. It's so weird. And Kasich's answer was, listen, I've moved on. This is the law. Uh, I'm, from, I'm about jobs, jobs, jobs. And then he downshifts into I'm into regime change in North Korea. I'm out. Well, actually, you know, Randy, the thing that bugs me about John Kasich, or the, my biggest beef with him, is that he puts himself out there as I'm the moderate, I'm the sensible one in the room. But you look at what he did in Ohio, where he shut down every single clinic that provides abortion. Right, right. Well, you know, that's what I'm saying. You know, he is a conservative. There's no question about it. His voting record is such that is what it is. And you can look at it and you can see what he's done. But he's a moderate. He's a moderate uh, conservative. He is the kind of person that can put his ideological self aside and work with, you know, across the yeah. aisle 
uh, and come up with some sort of a compromise that addresses his concerns and ours. Nobody else on that stage could you say that about, except maybe, and this is crazy, Donald Trump. <laughs> because Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump says, you know, Planned Parenthood does an amazing job on women's health care. Yeah. He just thinks the 3% uh, of, uh, you know, uh, uh, abortion okay. that may uh, uh, occur uh, in a Planned Parenthood facility is uh, something he wouldn't want to fund. Right, I mean, but- I think that's case exposition. Um, kind of. But Donald Trump is saying it w- without reservation. I mean, the fact that he said this in a, in a Republican debate blew my mind. As far as Planned right. Parenthood is concerned, I'm pro-life. I'm totally against abortion having to do with Planned Parenthood. But millions and millions of women, cervical cancer, breast cancer, are helped by Planned Parenthood. So you can say whatever you want, but they have millions of women going through Planned Parenthood that are helped greatly. And I wouldn't fund it. I would defund it because of the abortion factor, which they say is 3%. I don't know what percentage it is. They say it's 3%, but I would defund it because I'm pro-life. But millions of women are helped by Planned Parenthood. See, and that's what gets me about Donald Trump, because he didn't say he would just pull out 3% of the funding. He said he would defund Planned Parenthood because maybe 3% of what they do is abortion. But, but he goes on and talks about how invaluable they are, how, how crucial their services are. But I'll, I'll defund it because they do some abortions. But you can't believe anything Donald Trump says. Exactly. A, he has no voting record. Exactly. And B... Uh, Donald Trump, you know, depending on the day of the week, changes his position to, you know, uh, uh, create controversy around him to get press or to uh, pacify the audience he's talking to. Truly, Donald Trump, we have no idea what Donald Trump would do. He is a big unknown because Donald Trump is not a guy who's been consistent on any of his positions and has no voting record. So, you know, who knows what Donald Trump would do? I don't know what he's about. I have no idea what he's about. You know, he talks a great game about immigration. He's the one that brought it up. He calls people rapists. He calls them drug dealers. And then he turns around and, you know, he does hire uh, illegals to work at Mar-a-Lago down here. So who the hell knows what he's really about? Yeah. yeah well, we don't. You know, then you, no. you have the same guy. Uh, This was the most Orwellian moment for me when when Ted Cruz um, challenged Trump over the fact that in the last debate, Trump said, well, I'm not going to let people die in the street. We'll work something out. I love his specifics. We'll do we'll work something out with the hospitals. And but but we're not going to let them die in the streets. And so Ted Cruz challenges him and says oh great so you want socialized medicine you're like bernie sanders and trump says no not at all we're going to repeal obamacare we're going to replace it with something better it'll be better but we're not going to let people die in the streets it's like and they accuse bernie of being the pied piper and saying you know promising everyone a unicorn that's what donald trump is doing we'll deport all the illegals we're going to build the wall mexico's going to pay for it nobody's going to die in the streets why why doesn't he get called out the way they're calling out bernie okay because democrats are responsible people we are fact-based reality-based uh uh compassionate, genuinely compassionate human beings who make decisions based on our family and our neighbor, because we all know we're only as good as the weakest among us. 
and that if somebody is dying in the streets, that makes us weaker. That makes it, you know, it makes uh, healthcare, delivering healthcare even more expensive and harder to deliver because we are intelligent. We are college educated or we are self-taught or we are, you know, great studiers of the uh, human condition and of voting records. The Republicans, Bill Clinton said it a long time ago, and this was a beautiful, beautiful uh, little soundbite from him. He said they love anybody who's strong and wrong. You could be as wrong as you want as long as you are a bully, as long as you seem strong. That is what they're attracted to. It's the authoritarian personality. They want somebody to think for them. They want somebody to speak for them. They want to, you know, they, they keep screaming about their freedom, their fr- but they don't want to be free. They want to be led. They want to be led. Second. Sorry, that, that that was the Rubio shrieker just just shrieking in there. Oh, yeah. Did you notice her throughout the, the whole debate? Oh my! Yeah, it was like a Beatles concert. <laughs> it, it, between the shrieker and excuse me, excuse me. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's like the train wreck you can't look away from. Uh, it, do you have yeah. that same perverse? You know, and then David, my yeah. husband, is even worse because when it ends, he flips right over to Fox because he finds them hysterically funny. Howard does, too. Oh, that's so funny. Howard does it, too, because it's entertainment. Yes. It's total entertainment. And Trump is a reality. Listen, like I said, I, I don't know who put Trump up to this. I really don't know, like, what, you know, made him decide now to do this. But whatever it is or whoever it was, if Donald Trump doesn't get the nomination, my sick feeling is that all this can- this whole campaign is going to be turned into a reality show and that they've been filming this whole thing this whole time and you will get to watch and it will get the greatest uh, amount of I mean it'll get so many eyeballs watching it'll be, it will huge. be better than the celebrity apprentice better than the original yeah, apprentice right. it'll be better than any reality show that ever came down the pike it will be a Mark Burnett slam dunk hit that everyone will watch. I think you're right. And Randy, you know what? Not to pat myself on the back or anything. I've been saying for years, every year during debate time, that they, if they really want to engage the public, they need to turn it into a reality show, a la American Idol. And on in front of each podium, everybody gets a phone number. Uh, and during the show, during the debate, people call. And then at some point during the debate, like when, um, you know, when when Rand, when uh, uh, when when uh, Ben Carson says the fruit salad of their life is what I will look at. The, then the trap door underneath him opens and they fall through, never to be heard from again. Now, that would get yeah. huge ratings. Right. Yeah. But yeah. they, they yeah. went they took it almost that far. And it's come true. Donald Trump. Yeah, it has. It absolutely has. I mean, um, you know, that movie network from 1976, uh-huh. that movie moves me. Me too. Moves me. And, you know, one of, the, one of the most important scenes in it is the Ned Beatty scene when he's explaining to Howard Beale how the, the world works, that there are no democracies, there are no congresses, there are, there's only money, there's only shekels and petrodollars and electrodollars and Howard Beale looks up at, at Ned Beatty and he says to him well why did you pick me to deliver this message of, uh, of the corporatocracy and he said because you're on television dummy uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. you know people ask me all the time on my Facebook page when did all this change and I always respond with one word TV yes 
yeah. except sure. I got one thing <laughs> wrong um, during the 2008 election cycle when we saw, you know, when John McCain trotted out the Palin family in all its, right. you know, in all its central casting glory. And all I could think was yes. this was their answer to the beautiful Obama family because they had to counter that visual of this gorgeous family, American, first African. And so here they trot out the Palin clan from Alaska, who very, very oh, photogenic. I, don't know about that. I, I, I think this, I don't agree with that. And, and I'll just tell you why. Because okay. McCain's family is gorgeous, number well, one. I mean, they're beautiful, beautiful children. He's got a gorgeous wife. He, you know, the, the reason that they brought out Palin is because she was strong and wrong. And he <laughs> understood that the right wing of his party was going to choose the nominee. And she would say anything. And he wanted his Donald Trump. He, he needed his Donald yeah. Trump. That's why he picked her. Right. But I used to think that this was the end from, from the age of, from the, 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 the Kennedy-Nixon uh, debates. You had, it, it all changed. Now it mattered what you looked like. And I always thought the days of, you know, the, the sort of not very telegenic candidate is over. Bernie Sanders is proving that whole theory wrong. Because if you have the message, it can trump, sorry for the, uh, no pun intended, it can trump the visual, you know, uh, that effect. But I don't know. I don't know. McCain, I think, panicked when he picked Palin. I really do. And he's too nice of a guy to trash her. You got to know that he knows why he lost. Oh, Um, without a doubt. I don't think that's the reason why he picked Palin. I think he picked her because she was, you know, she was one of those people that could give a real strong and wrong speech and the drill baby drill bit. And, uh, you know, because her family was not without its controversies. Uh, And so, (laughs) you know, he, he made this Hobson's choice and it was, you know, he couldn't win with her, but he thought it was the closest he would get. And look, remember, I'll never forget the, the defining McCain moment. He did the right thing, but of course he, he lost the election in this moment when, you remember the woman that didn't remember she had a back of her head to brush her hair? Remember her? And she stood up at one of the town halls and she said, well, I can't vote for Obama because he, he's an Arab. Yeah, oh, and he yeah, said, no, sure. ma'am, she, he's not. That's, That's right. when he lost the election, tell you the truth. And isn't that but amazing? But he did do the right thing because that is, you know, I disagree with John McCain on almost every piece of his foreign policy, almost every single piece of it, except for his support for veterans. But um, that's when he lost the election. And I felt terrible for him, only because, you know, nice guys in the Republican Party finished last. Well, that uh, John Kasich. Hello. Right. Um, I, right. Randy, okay, we're lightning round because we're running out of time. I got to ask you. So uh-huh. earlier today, oh, my goodness, Chris Christie endorses Donald Trump. That's hysterical. So funny. It's hysterical, but Chris Christie knows which side, well, of course he knows which side the bread is buttered (laughs) on, right? Because, you know, on his tombstone it will say he loved butter. (laughs) But, um, yeah, he wants to be vice president. There's no question about it. And so, you know, this is the thing about hardcore politics. They swallow their principles. They eat their pride. They do everything to get ahead. Democrats would do well to learn that. A little bit, not to, you know, abandon your principles, but sometimes to vote for your country instead of, you know, your personal opinion about this one or that one to do what's right for the greater good. And, you know, this is what, you know, Republican politicians know. I mean, Cruz is the dirtiest campaigner I've ever seen in my life, you know, but he'll 
run with a sign that said, trust Ted. Right. You know what I mean? They, they, they just have no shame whatsoever. Mm. And, and Christy, I, I believe, is one of those. Oh, without a doubt. When I, when I heard yeah. the news, um, I first had a moment of, you got to be kidding me. And then, well, well, of course, of course he did, because he's an opportunist. He's, he's very much, right. you know, like, well, like Marco Rubio in that sense. Uh, Randy Rhodes, you have written a book. Is oh, yeah. It, this is what you did. In <laughs> the, uh, yeah, we're going to change again. You took time off, obviously, when you left the show back in May of 2014. And we've all been missing you. You went down to Costa Rica. Uh, and uh, I know we spoke a few times and you were sitting on the beach reading, watching the ocean. I was quite jealous. Um, but somewhere in there, you found time to write a book. Well, you know, I only stayed down in Costa Rica for about three months. And, you know, it's gorgeous there. I love the people there. Oh, yes, they do. They did have a female president named Lucille Chinchilla. Um, Laura, actually. Laura yeah. Chinchilla. Uh, every, the whole world has had a female president. Uh, so there's that. But, uh, no, I lasted three months down there because I need the stimulation. I, I need to be here. I, you know, and so I relaxed for a little while. I got my, my thoughts uh, straightened out. But then I came home, and I sat in my little yellow office where I always prepared my show every day, and I put my butt in the chair eight hours a day every day, and it took me more than a year to write this book. It's called Damn Near Famous. Um, it's hysterical. It's sad. It's, uh, it's everything. It's, uh, I have had a very bizarre life, and... Um, I never lost my spirit, and so basically that's what it's about. It's also a love letter to my mother, who is an amazing woman. I mean, just psychic and a Zen master and, you know, just crazy and uh, an indomitable force in my life. And so I wrote this book for us, for for basically us. And um, I got a literary agent who said she read it in one sitting and just loved it, just loved it. And so... That book is going to come to life. Uh, it's, I'm going to try and do it the traditional way, through a real publisher, because I would love for Amy Schumer to play me. <laughs> That's the kind of book it is. I have it in my head already. I already see Amy doing it. I like that. So, um, you know, or Kevin Spacey could buy the property, you know, because yes. it is political enough for his taste. But there's so many options for that, and um, I love this book. It was the hardest thing I ever did. And just because people haven't heard me doesn't mean I haven't been working. I work so hard on it, and I just, I'm crazy about that project. I, it's my favorite thing. It's wow. my favorite thing. So to recap, we have the Randy Rhodes Show coming back because Kickstarter reached its goal. You still got two weeks to go to, um, uh, to raise more money on Kickstarter to uh, round out the show. So it's going to be like the show that we remember from over the air, yeah. only it'll be on the internet, so we'll have you'll have a lot more flexibility, um, right? And and complete control, a la hello Melissa Harris Perry, and then you got the yes. book. And that- so you know, um, all I need people to do is go to randyroads.com, and everything is there. Watch the videos. The first video is just like why I need money, why we have to build this from the ground up, what it is that I, that's that's changed in my mind about how to get information to you and what the compromises look like and why they're not good for your ability to make smart decisions and why I'm going down this road now. And then the second video is just a scream. I think it's hysterical. It's, um, I, we based it on, you know, the Sarah McLaughlin ASPCA commercials, Arms <laughs> I, of an Angel. You know what? I have a fundraiser. So we, and, we made a, uh, yeah, we made basically a, a one and a half minute commercial. It's very short, but it's hysterically funny about um, how liberals are being abused. <laughs> uh-huh. And 
And what you should know is that the abused animal in my arms is Howard. Yes. <laughs> it's very funny. I, I agree. It is funny. Very I love funny. it. And if you're so inclined after that, then um, click on the Kickstarter and uh, keep it going. Yeah. And you'll you'll yeah. keep uh, giving uh, information Ran- at Randy Radio is your Twitter handle. You've got the Randy Roads Show on Facebook. Um, you're it's back. RandyRoads.com uh, and RandyRoads.com, of course. Um, yeah. And and we can start looking forward to hopefully a show sometime in June. So you got a lot of work ahead of you. <laughs> oh my God, I've been working nonstop. There's so many moving parts to a show, as you know. So many moving parts from. You know, the microphone and the stand that it's on and mm-hmm. the, the broadband and posting and the, the podcast mm-hmm. and figuring out what size T-shirts everybody needs. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's so endless. Yeah, no, there's, there's so a, endless. a lot of work. Well, I, I can't a wait. A lot of work. I'm looking forward to it. But I'm up for it. I'm ready now. I mean, like I said, I, that book took every bit of me every day. And it's my favorite thing that I've done. And no, it's not available yet because I'm trying to go through the traditional publishing thing. I would love to see it made into a movie. It is my hope, dream, wish that that would happen. Amy, Amy Schumer, tweet me. (laughs) We're getting ahead of ourselves. First things first, go to randyroads.com, check out the Kickstarter, and let's get ready to get Randy back on the air in June. Randy Rhodes, we've missed you. I'm so glad you're coming back um, and just in time because we are going to need your voice during this election uh, because as ugly as it is Well, you know, I mean, I need yours too. Okay. And um, so we'll have lunch. We will. (laughs) And we'll, we'll, yeah, we're going to figure this all out for everybody and make it, you know, one-stop shopping. it's, it's, It's my fondest wish to help us all distribute our shows. And I think I might know how to do it. Awesome. We'll talk. Yeah. We'll talk. Randy Rhodes, thank you so much for joining me on this special edition of the Bradcast. And Brad and Desi send their best, and they're thrilled you're coming back, too. Uh, I love those guys. Uh, Brad is a really special guy. He's been in my life since, like, before the national syndication. I've known him. He's just uh, a a beautiful man. And happy birthday, Desi. She's aiming to get back on the air by June. Once again, find all the details on what Randy's doing at randyrhodes.com. And that does it for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Brad Friedman and Desi Doyen will be back for the next exciting episode uh, in which they will, well, uh, give us the good, the bad, and the ugly about South Carolina and get ready for Super Tuesday. Thank you for being with me. Uh, you Remember, you can always check me out over at RadioOrNot.com. I'm Nicole Sandler filling in on the Bradcast. Until next time, as Brad says... Good luck, world.